0: Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, what's going on Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to Wealth Wednesday, a new weekly episode, a new weekly podcast that we're putting out every single Wednesday talking about trending topics, talking about relevant news, and how it relates to the Latino community from a Latino perspective. Um, Yeah, I don't know about y'all, but there's, there's not too many platforms out there that are doing something like this where we're bringing you fresh, relevant information and we are giving you our opinions about it and giving you facts about it as well. So it would mean the world to us right now if you can share this episode with two other people that needs to hear this type of content. I mean, there's so much, Let's be honest, there's so much garbage out there nowadays that uh we need to do our best to continue to elevate our minds and just like feed our minds with the right things, right? So um share, have share this episode with two other people, have somebody else listen to this. Um, on today's episode, we're gonna talk about the mindset needed to invest, become wealthy, and to be an entrepreneur, right? A combination of all three. And we're also gonna talk about how lenders are turning to non-traditional credit scores to find more borrowers. And really, how what, what does this mean for our community? How is this going to affect the black and brown community? So tune in for those two topics we're going to talk about today. But Before we jump into that, as always, I got to introduce my co-host, Jeremiah. What's going on, brother? How you doing?
1: It's good, man. How's everything? Um hoping everybody's having a good half of the week. This is Wednesday, yep. right? So hump day. So Hopefully everybody's having a good half the week, man. I'm excited yes, about sir. today's episode. We're Going to get some gems away. So let's yeah, get to it.
0: absolutely, absolutely. Real quick, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna catch you off guard with this question right here because you know usually yeah. before the the conversation we like you know discuss what we are gonna jump into today. But I'm curious, man. It was just Father's Day. How was how was Father's Day for you, man?
1: Father's Day was good. It was relaxing. Um, they were telling me how obviously with each child is different so this is my second child um yeah completely different wanted to make sure that i put in the effort to be present mm-hmm. um, above everything right and so what i did was i just basically put the phone down i noticed right focused there with my wife focused there with my daughter and just you know gave the time and the energy to them basically the whole day and it was a great day being present
0: No, I love that, man. I noticed because, you know, I didn't see you too active on social, you know, I didn't, you know, not too much interaction. So I knew, I knew that you were locked in. So, uh, (laughs) love that, bro. Maybe, maybe next year I might be celebrating with you. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, you know, I've
1: I've been waiting. I've been waiting to welcome you to the daddy club, man.
0: You know, Uncle Jeremiah
1: is going to be giving some real good gifts to the baby. So, hundred percent.
0: I love it. I love it. So with that being said, we're going to jump into today's. First topic, and we want to talk about the mindset that's needed to start investing, build wealth, and really become an entrepreneur. So we've been talking about a lot of uh, uh, different things, a lot of different news on here, and whether it's related to Apple AI and just just a lot of different opportunities. And Jeremiah and I were talking, and you know, all these opportunities are great. There's going to be opportunities that pop up every single day, but in our opinion. If you don't have the right mindset to even start investing or build wealth or whatever it is that you want to do to take yourself to the next level, it's probably not going to happen. Those opportunities are just going to probably pass you up. Let's just let's just keep it honest, right? Um, and I think the first thing that I realized from, man, I think I probably interviewed close to 100 people. I have to go back and count. And a lot of these people are, you know, have found success in their industry, whether it's stock, crypto, you know, just spent a lot of my time also just studying great people in other industries, such as basketball or, uh, you know, whatever the case is, right? Just looking at great people and seeing what separates them from us, what separates the people that are doing it at a high level from the people that want to get there. And for me, the, the biggest thing that separates the average person that wants to get to the next level from the great is that belief that they have in themselves, their belief system, right? If you look at the, the immediate example I think of is like Kobe Bryant. Like when he came into the league, uh, he got drafted by Charlotte, but you can tell Kobe didn't want to go to no Charlotte. He wanted to go where there was a culture of champions where there was a history of people winning champions, winning MVPs. So where he really wanted to go was LA. Right. So, um, I mean, there's some stories and speculation that he kind of like wiggled his way around there. And he built a relationship with Jerry West, uh, who was the GM of the Lakers at the time, but man, he knew what success looked like. And he, he believed that he was a part of that. Like he, there's stories of him like walking in the gym, like first day, like the dude was the man, right. Like he, he ran the show. And I say all that to say is he believed in himself. He believed he deserved to be great. And the other thing I'll say is like just to, to bring it back down to earth with me specifically, I remember, you know, uh at the t- towards the end of 2020, 2021, I went to a couple of different business conferences, you know, seen some great speakers on stage. And I tell, I'm telling you, bro, like, I'm sitting there in the audience and I'm hearing their story and I'm hearing like them talk about their, their business and whatnot. I'm like, the only thing that separates them from me is the belief system that they have in themselves. That's literally it. I don't, I don't know about everybody else around me, but what they're doing, I can do it possibly at a higher level. The biggest difference is they just simply believe that they deserve to be on that stage. So, um, for me, that that's the biggest. That's that's like the foundation, in my opinion. Obviously, there's a couple of different things that separate great people from average, um, but for me, like that core value is, man, you got to believe in yourself. If you don't believe you can obtain what you want, it's not going to happen. Oh,
1: all the way. And I think that um, I would say that belief um, is is probably right up there um <clears throat> right up there for me and i know i know you and your love for kobe you know obviously he's gonna do it kobe i'm an mj guy i'm older guys so yeah, yeah. My, my guys MJ. kobe cool but you know no, no disrespect God rest him um but i'm i'm saying what it, for, for me it's strategic execution mm. right so you can believe and that's the first step right and you believe and then you know you're, you're on your way to manifesting it, right so you're believing and you're believing you have that faith you know that you're going to do it you know that you can do it you still got to execute mm-hmm. Even when you believe you still have to have a plan. And in that plan, once they have that plan, you got to like strategically execute it. Right. There's steps to do that. So for me, one of the biggest things is learning how to strategically execute, because a lot of people believe and they still don't do anything because they don't know how to execute. You don't know how to lay it out, how to implement mm-hmm. or in, or implement or actually make it intricately a part of your plan, like putting that belief into action. Right. And so, Chris, you said it right. Beliefs number one, but then number two for me is strategically executing it. Like you gotta know how to lay it out and then do it properly so that things grow and that you progress. That's what I would say.
0: No, a hundred percent. Cause you, you have a lot of people out here that talk about manifestation, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, how you gotta, what's, what's the, like the going over, what is it? Reciting different words to you What's the mantra. The, mantra. the mantras right like yeah, going over different yeah. mantras every day and like just trying to like manifest things in your brain in which that's a phenomenal start but you got to take those steps right you got to walk you got to walk not to not to get biblical on you guys but it says faith without work is dead, it's dead. Right? If it, you, you can just sit there and believe in god and like god i'm a great person bless me with a million dollars he's gonna be like okay i'm gonna bless you but you gotta take a couple steps to get there (laughs) you want to walk yeah man. yeah yeah i I love that so uh the belief system you have in yourself a plan and execution Mm -hmm. and um I, i don't know if this is necessarily step number three but something else i wanted to hit on is what is it man in our community people almost feel like money's evil Right, making money is evil. And it's almost like, yo, it's it's okay if you want to make money. Let's let's just get that out the way. And 100%. it's we I don't know about you, Jeremiah, but growing up, people around me, it just seems like money was the evil thing. Um, it's almost like we're programmed to believe growing up that wealthy people were evil. Now, don't get me wrong, there's definitely some evil wealthy people out there, but there's <laughs> probably just as many. You know great people out there that are making money and are wealthy as well and you know for whatever reason growing up it's just we've been programmed to think and hate wealthy people and that making money is evil what do you think that is what do you think that comes from
1: i mean that comes with indoctrination right uh brown and black people you have to look at what that's associated with it's associated with um if you come from a subsidiary or you know a, a slave right mentality or you were just taught that you're less than right what you see money as, is being the owner of being the master of a plantation. Right. And so that's your thought process. And that's not to get super deep, but like DNA wise, that stuff gets engraved through generations. And in your mind, instantly, innately, you think of money and that's the thought process mm-hmm. of money. And then when someone in from your community makes money and then elevates them way out, what do we do? We have crabbing the barrel, right? We're mm-hmm. crabbing the bucket mentality. We want to pull them back down with us. We want everyone to be at the exact same level and no one actually elevating, you know. So you you see money as a as something evil because usually with us it's tied to deep groups elsewhere, previous and ancestors and the thought process of that. And so we just have to change it's like you said, it's a mentality thing. You have to change your thought process. There's nothing wrong with money. Right? and just because a person makes a billion dollars doesn't mean they're evil mm. i say they're good but that doesn't like we automatically say oh
0: yeah
1: freshman the devil or whatever some craziness right and we are yeah, like bro right. maybe they just worked hard you know and no one else does that but kind of like our culture so it's something that we got to work on it's, that's important
0: yeah 100 percent. and um in the a recent interview shameless plug that i did with linda garcia I think it was like maybe a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. But she said something pretty profound of that stuck with me. She said the word wealthy belongs to us as well. We have to believe that. And when yeah. we think of the word wealthy like you just said we think of we probably think of some old rich white guy. Of course we do. Doing some evil stuff. But
1: what does that tie to? That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. a it's mental.
0: Yeah. So I mean like just doing small things like that replacing you know, those lies and those negative core beliefs with like, yo, that word wealthy belongs to us as well. It's, we, we deserve to have that word. we deserve to be financially free as well. We deserve to be financially independent as well. We can, we can do that as well. So I'm curious with you, you know, working with different clients and whatnot, yeah. are, are these some things that you need to help your clients overcome Are these topics you you speak on or when people come to you, are are they ready to start investing? Are they already open-minded?
1: It varies, right? Um, So we have educational webinars and seminars that we do that start people from ground zero. And that's people that have that mentality or that thought process of, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm not ready to invest or I'm just now getting to the point to where, you know, what is investing? right? And so we have to teach them, hey, making money isn't evil, right? You have to know that doing these certain type of these practices, these this, the strategies and things that you should know, these are things that you should know. Like you, it's okay to be wealthy. It's okay to make money. A lot of people have survivor's remorse, right?
0: Mm-hmm. They don't want to leave people
1: behind. But that's why you present the opportunity and let people do it. And then we also present to clients that are very affluent, right? And it's crazy that I'll tell you something that's really crazy. The easiest clients to work with are the people that already have money I mean, and not from yeah. my point of view, it's their mentality, right? They understand certain things. So when you lay a plan out and say, Hey, so this is your financial plan. It's easier for them. They are just mm-hmm. like, they're like, Oh, it's because they got money. No, it's because their belief system is different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because mm-hmm. proportionately they're probably putting out just as much money proportionately as you, but the, the difference is, is that they know they can make it back because they have a system to make money so it's not a problem to them they're right they've created wealth and so they know that they can make it again
0: a hundred percent that's funny that you brought that up because with me being in marketing um you know I've been at different points in my career where I had my own marketing services that I would offer to businesses same thing you just said bro like the easiest clients were the people that paid the most and it sounds so backwards right? But I'm telling you, the people that paid me $500 or whatever, like just uh, not enough money, those people was hit me up every day, Mm -hmm. wanting to change this, wanting to change Mm -hmm. that. But the person that paid, you know, five times that amount, I would hear from them maybe once or twice a month, right? And I think they've gotten to a point where they understand, like you said, that they know if they put this money in, they should expect a return. And not only that, they understand the value of time. Exactly.
1: In time, that leads to understanding compounding and it's like it, it, all truths are parallel, right? So that's something that I'll tell you. And, and what does that mean? That means that the same truths that are real in real life and your habits and the things, the undertakings that you do mentally, right? And developing yourself, those same things are relevant in finances or in um, a skill set or, bas- or like basketball or a sport, right? All truths are parallel. The truth in that sector is true over here. There's universal truths that are just real and you can use them in anything that you do. So that's one of them.
0: Have you ever felt growing up any, once you started getting, um, once you start having success, did you ever feel any type of survivor's remorse or any, any thought like that? No. How did, how did you set up, how did you set yourself up not to feel like that?
1: Um, Because number one, right. It was a plan. So we talk about the plan. We're talking about strategically right, setting things out. So when I arrived at some level of success or accomplished some goals, right, it was the fulfillment of my plan. So I had seen the process and the work that was put in. So after seeing the work and the process that was put in, I didn't feel any survivor's remorse, because I know that there was a lot of hard work that was put into reaching it. Now, for some people, it appeared like luck. But there's a saying, you know, the harder I worked, the luckier I got. So that's kind of how it was for me, you couldn't see, you know, Beneath the surface, there was roots growing and moving. And then you just saw Mm -hmm. it pop up and this corn or wheat or whatever you want to say was growing. That's all you saw, right? But I I didn't have survivor's remorse because I knew that there was work that was put in. But I also had a passion to show others that they could do the exact same thing because I'm from where you're from. There's nothing different about me other than I never quit. That was Mm -hmm. it. So, yep. Mm
0: -hmm. Love that. Love that all right y'all well that's a that's a couple different advice lessons tips on improving your mindset um and and getting yourself to believe to you know that you can live the life that you wanted that you want to live right that you deserve to live and that you deserve to live right and if you see somebody else doing it that looks like you or like jeremiah said that has came from where you come from you can do it as well there's no excuse yeah yeah So shifting gears a little bit, we want to talk about some stuff that's going on with the credit system. So real quick, the headline is lenders turn to non-traditional credit scores to find more borrowers, right? So more U.S. lenders have adopted or are looking to adopt credit scores that use non-mainstream scoring data to help borrowers qualify for more data. Or qualify for more credit, I should say. And we're gonna break this down so it's hmm. uh, easier to understand. And so you may be wondering like, yo, what, what could happen if lenders lean more into these alternative scoring options, right? So basically what could potentially happen is borrowers that previously were overlooked by more traditional credit score systems may have an easier time qualifying for personal loans, credit cards, or even a mortgage as well. And this could create more inclusion in the black, the black and brown community. So uh, Jeremiah, what, what are your thoughts about this? But I'd love to break this down. Um, I know I'm, I mentioned the word non-mainstream scoring, right? So I'd love yeah. to bring, break that down for the people out there as well.
1: I mean, anytime that you're thinking about credit, right? You're thinking about the three credit bureaus. We're not talking business, we're talking personal. So the three credit bureaus that actually report, that's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, right? So these are the three, Um, those two combined or or the average of some, right? Kind of make up or a piece of your FICO score. Some people only use FICO, but other people use one of those three um, credit reporting bureaus, right? And so mainstream credit reporting, that's what they mean. It's not from those three crediting bureaus or from FICO, right? So it's not not the combination of those or specifically from one of those credit bureaus. So what if they started using um, your utilities bill, right? Like what if they started doing that? What if they started using um, your rent, right? Because your rent is through an LLC and they report that via earnings, right? So what if they started using stuff like that? And so the non-traditional, it says I'm still a good person. I'm a very responsible person, but maybe uh, five, 10 years ago I had a credit card and I wasn't in a good place or something happened to me and I I was in a bad place, but that doesn't mean I'm not a good person. And so that puts more people in the availability to receive more lending or the opportunity to just receive lending at all. Now, while that's a great thing, on the backside of things also, it could be slightly predatory. And the reason I say that is because in 2006 to 2007, well, actually, pretty really starting like 2003, predatory lending practices started with housing, which led to, right, the downside, which led to the recession, the huge recession, right. Loans were given to people that shouldn't have gotten loans. They shouldn't have gotten those loans for those houses. And what I mean by that is, if you could only afford um, a hundred and ten thousand dollar home. There's no way you should have been given a loan for a $500,000 house, knowing you were going to default. And so to bring it all to full circle to what we're talking about now, if I'm giving you, um, extra lending or putting you in positions to where you can get money, additional credit lines, things like that, are you going to use it responsibly for me? There should be classes, financial classes and things that go towards this, that you have to earn the right to actually have access to that. Like two or three classes and you have to pass those classes, right? In order for you to get access to the money because if not then you're just putting money in the hands of people that don't know what to do with it or you give a person a home that they shouldn't be in and then three years later there it's foreclosure
0: if it, i mean i love the idea of making people you know take classes i mean they make yeah. us take driving tests to get on the road right but yeah does that really benefit the lender it benefits because yeah, if i'm saying because if, if they have, let's just say they they give this credit card to somebody that's good or or bad with it you know either way they're going to get their money right if if, you know what i'm saying like i mean
1: not necessarily you know in our communities charge off are real um you know going into collections is super real right yeah and most people don't even like by that time let's be honest you let it sit seven years and it just falls off that's how a lot of people look at it like they're just Mm. not going to pay it i'll wait the seven years and so it's actually fully beneficial to the lenders, um, to not be predatory, but to give educational and informative information to people, so that way they can grow in knowledge. So when you get access to the money, they're going to pay back because they understand what it does to their credit, and they understand when I can't leverage that credit line, that puts me in a bad place when it comes to my uh, my home buying, my my future car, right? Um, you know, now their jobs are looking at credit scores, so there's multiple mm-hmm. things that's tied to it. But if you don't educate people properly, they don't know. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me, it builds up the lender to be honest and tell them and, and inform people because then you'll probably get your loan paid off fully or maybe even early because you'll yeah. teach them about interest and in, in principle. So that's that's, you know.
0: No, 100 percent. And if there's any lenders out there that want to take our uh, Jeremiah's idea, feel free to to use them in these training videos. <laughs> Latin World training videos. Yes, Lobby uh, Wealth I, training videos. Uh I did want to bring up, you know, the non-traditional, uh some of the non-traditional ways that they're the scoring data. The vantage score system, can you mm-hmm. can you break that down a little bit? If I'm not mistaken, um the vantage score system and use a combination of all three credit barrels, right?
1: It's an average. It's an average, yeah. mm mm-hmm because you'll have if if anyone ever notices when you're dealing with your credit you'll have one of them that's super low mm-hmm. you'll have a middle one that's kind of in between them and you'll have one that's a little bit higher 20 30 points higher than the others and so the advantage is taking the three of those averaging them together right versus taking one and most likely um in a lot of cases i know experian is using like a lot of cars and and homes mm-hmm. homes and cars are usually with Experian, and that's usually people's lowest lowest credit number. I don't know if they purposefully do that, but yeah, advantage would be um, two people's advantage because then you actually get the sum of yours. But if all three of them are low, mm-hmm. you're kind of, right? I mean, it's still <laughs> not, mess. it's not going to really yes. help you.
0: It's not going to help you. Yeah. So do you, yeah. do you, uh, quickly, do you know why there's three different credit bureaus? Like what, what is the story behind that?
1: Um, it's supposed to be for checks and balances the same way that you have different branches of government. It's supposed to be for checks and balances right so they're all three they're supposed to be a tiebreaker, basically one mm-hmm. of them there was one right um and then two came and then you're like okay well one will just report on the other one or say something different and the third one is supposed to keep it to where it's it's even but they never fully they never fully realized that like that that mm-hmm. was never fully to me that i mean we have data breaches and stuff all the time mm-hmm. improper stuff reported on your credit like it, you know so i I, I haven't seen to where that checks and balances has actually occurred. They all just kind of have their own numbers and they just roll with whatever they got. They don't go check with someone else.
0: A hundred percent. Dope. Dope. I love it. As always, we're going to leave the link to the article in the description of this podcast. Uh, Jeremiah, did you have anything else on these topics, on these subjects before we, we get about here?
1: No, man. Um, like you said, in the very beginning, I just want to tell people First and foremost, super grateful for everyone that watches. Um, Welcome today, so we want to just say we're super appreciative as it starts to grow. Tap this out. Chris had two people. You know, I'm always I'm a one upper. Give it, send it to three to five people, man. You know, take the video, share it, send it in a message. This is good information that people need to know. You know, so we want to make sure that people are getting their information and they're educated. So when it comes time to make important decisions, you can do it from a, a sound, a sound mind from a science, a sound standpoint. That's it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just quick announcement. Next week, we're going to actually have a, our first guest on two. Wealth Wednesday. Super exciting. Yeah, we're, we're going to have our first guest on Wealth Wednesday. So be sure to stick around for that. And also the next Latin Wealth Friday interview that's coming out is going to be uh, this week. I believe we're going to have that out. So look out for that as well. A couple new guests on the platform to hear their story and just hear their perspective on what they're doing in their industry. And I think that's all we have for today. Thank you for tuning in today. And as always, as always share this episode with a couple of different people. And it's the Latin Most Family. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.